All right, so this next post might be a little hard to um, to follow. Um, so we Jeff and I had just um, seen the mountain gorillas in um, Rwanda, about two hours outside of uh, Kigali, and you're in this park area amongst these uh, volcanoes covered in uh, in jungle, and. Um, so after you see the mountain gorillas, we had like an afternoon to kill and uh, it was raining. And um, so there was like this covered picnic area. And for whatever reason, I just I didn't want to hang out in the room, I guess. So I, I talked with our um, guide, Frederick. He's our driver, basically. And uh, he was a, a, a Rwandan guy. And um I forgot how we got into it, but I, I probably asked him about it. But we, we he told me the story of the genocide, basically, the, the whole history, as far as from his point of view. And so I'll read this, and it's hard to follow. Um, and after I read it myself just now, I'm not sure I totally understand it <laughs> anymore. But uh, we were still on the uh, October 26th. Um, so here I, I'll start reading my uh, diary or journal entry. From 3 to 7, Frederick, our guide, tells me the whole story about the genocide. Really, the whole history. Amazing story. I'll try and summarize. Tutsis and Hutus are the tribes. Tutsis came from the north and were a cow culture. They are the extreme minority, but dominate the Hutus because of the cows. The Hutus think the Tutsis are magic. Rwanda is associated with Germany, and after World War I, the League of Nations makes Belgium the protector. When they get their independence in 1957, Belgium still wants influence, and they, and they know they will have more if the weaker group rules, the Hutus. They embark on a systematic campaign of convincing the Hutus that they should and can rule because of their 80% majority, and that the Tutsis had pulled the wool over their eyes for all these years. The church and the Christians' uh, presence um, and many other ways to do this, and it doesn't take long. I suspect those feelings, parentheses, I, I suspect those feelings were already uh, there, uh, not sure I believe the Belgians had the effect that he says, end parentheses. Um, it works, and the Hutus take power and do rely on Belgium for the next 30 years. Violence starts at this time, and many Tutsis flee to Burundi and Uganda, uh, parentheses. I think many Tutsis were already in southern Uganda, because of the way the boundaries were drawn after World War I. Virunga Massif was thought to have had minerals, so Britain, uh, parentheses, Uganda, and, the Bel and, and Belgium, parentheses, Congo, pushed for the border to be extended to the volcanoes. Uh, so in other words, uh, I'm just talking now, what that would mean is that um, in, if you look at Uganda, which is just north of um, Rwanda, that if you know Tutsis had been living in what is today southern um, 
uh, Uganda, but it wasn't really Uganda at the time. You know, the British basically said, ah, we're going to push the border of Uganda southward. And the Belgians did the same. Congo's to the west of um, uh, Rwanda. So Cong Belgium did the same with Congo, extending the border east. And so there would have been probably Tutsis and Hutus trapped um, you know, on the eastern side of Congo and the southern side of uh, Uganda. Okay, so in 1987, the president visits the U.S., the Rwandan pres president visits the U.S., and he's, he's probably Tutsi, I'm, I'm just adding, to receive an honor for wildlife conservation. The Rwandan exiles take the opportunity to confront him. They want to come back. Um, so I guess these would be the, uh, um, the, uh, the Tutsi exile. Sorry, I confused things. The, uh, the president visits the U.S. So the president would have been a Hutu. So the Rwandan exiles take the opportunity to confront him. They want to come back. Oh, I forget that the Hutus, uh, made a policy of not letting Tutsis into power, not in any army or secondary school and you are marked as a Tutsi or a Hutu on your birth certificate. And I think you have an identity card. Well, I know they had identity cards. So, okay, so back to our story. The, the Hutu president says no. He would like them to come back, but no room. Too many people in Rwanda. Just stay where you have been for the past 30 years. He also asks his buddy president in Uganda to strip the rich ones of money and land. Meanwhile, there is a growing revolt against the Ugandan government. The Rwandan exiles, Tutsis, join and they win. They get a lot of good positions in the new Ugandan government. Within a year, the president realizes this, realizes this will not do because the population realizes and will not stand for it. I, I, I think they won't stand for it because they don't like the Tutsis either. He tells the Rwandans to go invade Rwanda. He, in other words, he tells the uh, Tutsi exiles living in southern Uganda to go invade Rwanda. You can do it. I will support, but you can't come back. They do in 1991. By 1993, 1994, they are within 60 kilometers of Kigali. So again, these would be the Tutsis who, um, you know, they exist in Rwanda in a small, in a like 20% of the population. But these are the Tutsis who were in southern Uganda who are leading this charge. So Belgium and France had been fighting them with military advisors. But now they, Belgium and France, threaten to fight for real. And under this pressure, both sides negotiate. Not really, though. They do come close on paper. And 100 Tutsi exiles are brought into the center of Kigali with 500 of their own protectors. They soon grow to 2,000 with guns because this had said uh, they wanted to get because they said they wanted to get supplies from Tutsis in the hinterland. And each time they come back with more people and guns, 
The UN is monitoring, but not effectively. They had been negotiating in Arusha, again, the Tutsis and the Hutus, and the president returns, the Hutu president returns, and his plane is shot down. For a while, the government had also been sending out propaganda for the citizens to kill their Tutsi neighbors. They use radio, TV, everything to say that they are the first enemy and that if the citizens take care of them, they will take care of the rebel army. When the plane is shot down, all hell breaks loose and the killing and genocide start. Uh, parentheses, a woman PM had been appointed for the new government. She was killed along with her 10 Belgian UN protectors and the UN pulls out. Over 1 million are killed in a period of 3 to 4 months. This is in 1994. Strange thing happens. The Rwandans take control of the country and 4 to 5 million Hutus flee to Congo. In the, in the eastern edge of Congo, which is not very populated. Um, they plan to come back and finish the job, or so the new government thinks, the new government being Tutsis. The UN warns not to invade Congo, but they do, and they being the new Tutsi government. They invade Congo to get the Hutus. And remember, in the genocide, Maybe I didn't point this out. The Hutus were the ones who slaughtered the Tutsis. But now, just after the slaughter, uh, the Tutsis are in power in Rwanda. That's what I meant by strange thing. So the, the Tutsis, the Rwandan Tutsis, surround the refugee camps in the Congo and force the refugees to come back to Rwanda with and the refugees, in this case being the Hutus, with no arms. Some fight, though, and become the force. Some fight through and become the force that invades from the north, where I am, in 1998. So what I mean by this is you had uh, Hutu refugees after the genocide. They fled Rwanda into eastern Congo. And then when the Tutsis came after them and surrounded them, some broke free and went to the north and were uh, hiding out in Uganda. And then it looks like in 1998, they invaded from Uganda, southern Uganda, back into Rwanda, which is where Jeff and I were. This whole park where we were is on the border of Uganda and, and Congo. So it's, been a, a tr it's just been a problem um, with all these wars. So at any rate... Okay, the Hutus now invade from Uganda into Rwanda. And this is 98. Uh, back up a little. Rwanda in 94 also overthrew Congo's Mugabe and installed uh, a stooge, or so they thought. Again, this would be the Tutsis. Who, uh, Hutus, uh, something turn on them and form alliance to fight their invading army with a lot of big African countries. So it looks like the Tutsis overthrew the Congo leadership, put in their stooge, uh, but then that stooge sided with the Hutus and other African nations. 
uh, and they stand up to the Tutsi invading army. This goes on until uh, 2000, when the UN convinces Rwanda and Uganda to pull out. That's where we are today. So I guess where they where we stand is at this point in time, is that um, the Hutus who had invaded from the north go back to um, Uganda and um, uh, Congo, and the Tutsis are in charge of Rwanda, and they pull out of uh, the Congo. And by the way, since this time, uh, since our trip, I have, uh, I have several times uh, followed the news, and the same um, uh, drama has played out again, I think a couple times, where um, the Tutsi, the Tutsi, Rwandan Tutsis invade, and and so on, you know, Congo and and uh, Uganda, and so on and so on. Okay, so back to my journal. So fundamentally, doesn't seem like much has changed. Why will there be lasting peace? Frederick worked for the Red Cross during the genocide and saw its effects firsthand. I think he is Tutsi, but I did not ask. They are making a point of not differentiating these days. So that's the end of my journal entry. Um, you know, I tell you, so this fighting stopped in 2000 and we were there in 2003. Uh, so it was still very fresh. So, was, you know, these these Hutus and Tutsis, uh, you know, it's kind of amazing to me that, uh, you know, they... They had this horrible genocide. A million people killed in three to four months. Think about that. I think um, the Holocaust was six million, which is, of course, a lot worse than one million. But uh, it was over the course of several years, if not more than that. And and they did this with their um, with their hands, essentially. And, and I, I went to the museum later, and I I'll, I'll touch on that, but. Uh, they did it with hammers and machetes. Machetes. Uh, you could see skulls with hammer holes in them. Yeah, humans. Um, we think we're sophisticated. Not really. Um, not much difference in us between us and animals. It's just that we are more intelligent. Um, that intelligence doesn't mean we stop killing one another, though. It just makes us better at it. Um, so anyway, that's the story of the Tutsis and the Hutus. So uh, I realize that may be tough to listen to, but um, just because it's back and forth. <laughs> anyway, maybe, hopefully that made some sense.